Thanks for tuning in to Real Original. Today we're going to be talking about Kate and Leopold. My name's Dave. My name's Trevor. I am Kelsey. You might remember these guests from the brilliant episode known as Bright, where we discussed Bright. You may have missed their soothing tones. Yeah, I just want to start, if I could, by going on the record that we are not a married couple, because I had multiple people I know. You know, common law marriage, Kelsey. (laughs) No, this is my brother. My brother. (laughs) Okay, continue, Dave. Continue. It's her brother, and it's a very Game of Thronesy relationship. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, <laughs> but she's the Tyrion. Anywho, that was a joke based on something that Treb said in the in the Bright episode. But today we're talking about Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan's uh, hit movie, Kate and Leopold. I'll never remember the main characters' names of this movie. <laughs> it's like Jade. And Deopold, maybe? I think, no, I think Stuart and the attractive blonde uh, from, the, from the setup that gets the uh, romantic comedy kicked off. Have you guys seen this movie before? Have you seen Kate and Leopold previously? Never. No, uh, and I won't spoil it, but I did text um, Kelsey or Dave. I forget who it was, Dave. And I, 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 five minutes into the movie, I guessed the ending of the movie. Uh, you so. texted me about that. But if you think Dave and I are the same person, that's fine. <laughs> I also got a text about this. So I feel oh, okay. like we might be the same person right now. I'm a little confused. Both yeah. people. So what was your overall impression of this movie? Kelsey, I'm going to let you go first on this one, if that's okay. I have a strong opinion. Oh, okay. I was waiting for Trevor then. Um... I am not usually much of a romantic comedy person. I, it was okay. Like I can say I enjoyed watching it. Um, I don't know. It's like candy. Like it's like that kind of movie where it's just like bright and fun and like a little enjoyable. But then I was done and I was like, I, I don't know. I don't really feel like I need to remember anything about this movie. By contrast, I love romantic comedies. I'm like, it's kind of tragic, actually. And I hated this movie. This was, oh. I, I hated everything about this movie. I hope that it comes through in a funny way and not a bitter way on this podcast. But everything, the the chemistry, I, I like, I don't even have notes. I'm so mad about this movie. I just know what I want to say. You're so bitter and jaded, Treb. It's definitely, he's like, Hugh Jackman found love. Why haven't I found love? Oh, it was so hard for Hugh Jackman to be a rich, attractive person. That must have been terrible. I know. Can we all at least agree that his performance was a duke? (laughs) Oh, Oh, play on words. I love Hugh Jackman. I'm such a sucker for Hugh Jackman movies and shows. And even having him in this movie, it, it didn't make it a full win. There was a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed in this movie, but for all the wrong reasons, this movie, my biggest complaint about Kate and Leopold is that it is a half hour too long. The movie's over two hours long. And I watched it twice for the purpose of recording this podcast. And the first time I pulled it up, there was still 30 minutes left in the movie. And I was like, no, the movie's (laughs) over. Like what, what could possibly happen from here? And then the second time I watched it, it was even earlier that I, I was found myself checking the time. It was 40 minutes until the movie was over. Yeah, I watched it yesterday and I kept having like, I would like pause to go get a drink or something. And I'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ, there's so much left. It 
So, See, this is really good. amazing to me because I, while I agree it's a long movie, I also feel like the way this movie must have been filmed, the director must have just been like, oh, oh my God, okay, they're in the past, get on with it. Okay, now they're in the present, now make them fall in love, get on with it. Like, it, I will say, nothing yeah. happens and it is so rushed the entire movie. Yeah, it's weird because the romance, even though the movie's long, the romance is somehow rushed. Like, I just never, it never felt like they were gonna fall for each other. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the Duke is quite interested in her and he will announce his intentions. Yeah, should we have prefixed this with a spoiler that it's a romantic comedy and there's some romance involved? Yeah, that'd probably be good. It's It was very unsuspecting. I mean, I thought it was a yeah. horror movie. <laughs> God, I wish. That would be great. He comes from the past and starts killing everyone. Yeah, so just a high-level overview in case any listener hasn't seen the movie. Uh, Hugh Jackman plays a duke back in, what, the mid-1800s? Was that the timeline? I think so. Late, I think. Yeah. Okay. Late 1800s. Through a series of events, he gets transported about, what, 200 100 years in the future? I don't know. Um, the movie came out in 2001. I couldn't really get a timeline of when it was supposed to take place, but uh, he gets transported into the future and he just starts interacting with, with cell phones and, you know, housebroken dogs and modern modern everything and it that's like the whole joke of the movie it, it's just a one joke thing played over and over again everything that hugh jackman interacts with is just like oh what's this toaster this isn't how toast is made back in my day oh. <laughs> Ew, quite um i mean to interject i do just want to say uh trevor that apparently the first elevator was installed in 1857 so i would say mm-hmm. the movie maybe he's probably from mid-1800s well i'm gonna be wikipedia look uh searching this while we're uh talking so i have a question about elevators and this movie when hugh jackman is transported into the future all of the elevators in new york stop is that because he didn't invent them are they saying that nobody else would have invented the elevator i think that's it that's a good question because somebody appears to have still invented elevator shafts. Yeah. And the maintenance man or the lobby man at their fancy apartment place, he's talking to either an elevator repair company or the elevator manufacturing company, if it's still in warranty or if they do repairs. So it's like, who the hell are you talking to on the phone? (laughs) What a, what a just interesting, like, I feel like the rest of the plot of this movie is pretty cookie cutter for a romantic comedy but then they're like specifically the man from the history's background is that he invented the elevator yeah it's really interesting that they they went to so much work with the backstory and then rushed the rest of the movie out right and then his like his surname's otis right that's like a real guy no, that's and... his butler's name spoiler alert his I'm butler's name alert okay everything. there's an actual person <laughs> named otis that was involved in the safety elevator yeah wasn't he like garfield's adopted dog brother oh different <laughs> otis never mind sorry otis. i think that's i think that's Odie too not to call you oh. on your own podcast but <laughs> I've never seen or read a Garfield panel, so everything I've absorbed through it is through pop culture, so I'll probably get it all wrong. Uh, I like, Yeah, I, I want to say that I was not certain this was a comedy the entire time I watched it. The, that's fair. 
it's it's not funny it addresses some subjects like um like sexual pressure between subordinates and employers in the office and the the only part that i laughed at was when um it wasn't funny to me that Stewart ended up in a psychiatric hospital. It wasn't mm-hmm. not funny to me either. It was just mediocre. But the thing that really gave gave me a kick was the scene where he's he's like giving this speech about man, I had it all. I saw a ripple in time, and the nurse like falls in love with him. He's <laughs> like, I believe you. Yeah, that was a weird little side note. And then she yeah. cries, and you're like, okay. And then she lets him out. Backing up to the the exploitation of like you know the male in power and the the woman employed, um, it made me really like like noticeably upset when I realized that this movie was executively produced by Harvey Weinstein. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I noticed this guy did what Harvey Weinstein would never do, which is after he was confronted, her boss gave her the promotion without pressuring her for sexual favors. <laughs> Well, that's because it's the guy from the West Wing, and he's tough but fair. You know, he's right. sassy, but he's got West a heart of gold. Guy. <laughs> the only believable part of this movie was that a woman would fall in love with Hugh Jackman for no like real reason or emotional bond. I the, even that part is not believable to me because I believe any woman except for the character Meg Ryan played would fall in love with mm. Hugh Jackman. I don't know. Like, even she's her, she's just so bitter. She looks like she's sucking on sour Skittles the entire movie. I I have a lot of notes about this movie banging around in my head. I hated it. Mm-hmm. But even I couldn't fall in love with Meg Ryan in this movie. And let me tell you, Dave, and any ladies out there on the line, I am desperate. Aww. I mean, I don't know that she was that sour of a person, but they did start off the movie with showing her in like the most unpleasant situations where she would be sour, which is like dealing with her shitty childish ex-boyfriend. Oh yeah. That that was him being childish when she called him at 1am to beg for her Palm pilot back. Well, the part about her intro that really put me off from her character was when she for no good reason hurts the dog upstairs she hurts bart she shocks him with electricity oh yeah and i was just immediately like fuck this woman i hope she dies in the end yeah she didn't seem particularly likable to me (laughs) but like who the hell gives other tenants in their apartment complex the ability to hurt your dog with an electric shock is that a thing in New York? Is that a is that a thing for dog owners? I th- I think what happened is she still had a controller because she was his ex and it had only been a month. Yeah. And also she's a psychopath. Oh, that's just wild. It, yeah. it it was like the worst way to intro a character. I, I've never disliked somebody faster. It was the worst. <laughs> and they they never really like explained. I mean, Hugh Jackman never really said why he like fell in love with her. I oh, because she's she's a pretty white woman, Kelsey. Through. Yeah, but he had pretty white women in his time that also had lots of money. I mean, in in like late eighteen hundreds money, not in like they had like two thousand dollars. Yeah, which for him was a lot of money. Like, but he <laughs> hated them. But this lady who's just like unpleasant the whole time, he's like, hell yeah. <laughs> the women that won him back in his own time brings up another interesting point. 
did you guys recognize who played Miss Tree? Yeah. And they like painted her in the movie as like an ugly, annoying broad that nobody would want to marry. And I was like, she's so fucking funny. Like, holy shit. Give me a chance at that. She is. But I mean, you do realize the character herself was not like it wasn't Christian Shaw playing herself. Well, that's a good point, though, that they they the way that they characterize Kristen Shaw in this movie kind of gives away the game of how romantic comedies were written and how bad romantic comedies are written. Just you got to just find two attractive people and make them bump uglies. And that's all you need. And Kristen Shaw is not conventionally beautiful and was nervous in a scene. And therefore there's no way Hugh Jackman could ever love her. Right. They didn't show like what about her would actually be objectionable to him. Although I imagine if you're like being forced to marry, like heavily encouraged, maybe you would naturally resent most of the people you're presented with. Mm. On the other side of that coin, isn't he like 32 in the movie like when he's he's back in his time which means he's like nearing the end of his lifespan so you might as well marry someone <laughs> oh my god Better Th- get thanks busy. for that dave you know my birthday is june 3rd and i'm turning 31 but you live in the year 2020 you don't live in the late 1800s <laughs> so you're probably gonna live a little longer mm. i will say this speaking of time this felt like a real like it just is such an early 2000s romantic comedy. And I think it's from 2001, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, something about all of this, just like the formula and the way the lines are written and everyone delivers everything. And like, Oh, well, a Palm pilot is basically a character for the first 40 minutes of the movie. So that's true. Those will never go out of style. Those were so cool. I had one. Her tiny little sunglasses. I was like, I've never seen someone wear sunglasses. Her haircut. <laughs> yeah, the haircut. I like new girls with that haircut. Everybody did. Once Meg Ryan was in movies that made millions of dollars wearing that haircut, everybody wanted it. And it looks oddly similar to the, the male flock of seagulls style. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was that band? Like uh, Switchfoot or something like that that had the main singer i think had that haircut oh, I don't uh know. this is now a music uh, podcast do you even know anything about switchfoot other than you think the singer had that hairstyle? no well first of all he didn't <laughs> really, really have that haircut okay, second of like, all they, they were like kind of a christian rock band okay, and i yeah. was interested in this girl who listened to switchfoot so this is uh you guys want to hear about my 2001 well, this no. is about as good a music podcast as it is a movie podcast at this point. <laughs> I'm talking about this episode that we're on, Dave, not in general. <laughs> we could talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey. I could talk about that movie for, for days. Also not a good romantic comedy. Trevor has a point. Uh, it might be better than Kate and Leopold. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, the scenes where, where the lovers, Hal and Dave, are fighting, I really feel their connection. Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie sucked. Um, but I will say, like I said, I did somehow enjoy watching it. And I feel like it's the way a lot of people enjoy, like, a shitty romantic comedy, which isn't typically an experience I would seek out. But, like, this one time, I'm just like, yeah, isn't it nice to like pretend that it's uh, you that Hugh Jackman came back from the past 
to woo. And that's about like, that's why it's enjoyable. Just like when he picks her up in his big, strong arms and carries her to the bed when she's sleepy, you're like, beautiful. Kelsey, I'm going to find you pictures of Hugh Jackman topless and you can save yourself two hours next time. You, you say that like finding pictures of Hugh Jackman topless is difficult. If you could get me pictures of Hugh Jackman bottomless, I'd be a lot more interested. Yeah, you think I've never seen pictures of Hugh Jackman topless? Like, uh, Well, uh, so by the way, one of, one of the things bouncing around in my head that I'm not yet a good enough podcast uh, guest to segue into the conversation is uh, this movie is better if you pretend so – x-men lore like wolverine is like hundreds of years old or whatever it's more fun if you pretend that leopold is actually wolverine with his memories wiped and Liev schreiber is still saber saber tooth uh Mm. and that is the only salvation for this movie for me yeah i definitely got that impression and that's one of the things that made this movie so much more enjoyable was pretending that this was the real origin story somehow to wolverine but then he helps wolverine find love yeah, but well, Wolverine steals his girlfriend. I mean, that's going to fester. Well, let's let's think back to um the ending of X-Men Origins Wolverine. I believe Wolverine gets shot in the head by the protagonist and develops amnesia. So this might be a part of his backstory. <laughs> so I will be honest with you guys. I was working on like an art commission while I watched this, so I may have missed I I have to ask. Um I know that, God, what's her ex's name? Stuart. Stuart, thank you. Um, So Stuart finds like this, this spot to go back in time by jumping off the bridge or whatever. Was he specifically trying to fucking go back to see the elevator man? I'm so confused because he knew exactly who this guy was. He was like following him around, taking him pictures. And I'm like, you can go back in time and this is the thing you're obsessed with so i feel like i must have missed something um the impression i got was that he found a way to time travel and time travel back and it was somehow location-based linked to the roebling bridge the brooklyn Mm -hmm. bridge and i imagine he may not have known the era that he was going to was the impression i got Okay, but he went back and he knew exactly who the elevator guy was because he came back from that mm-hmm. and was like, what? "Oh, it's this guy." You're like, "Yeah, I." I was, like, it is interesting that it of... seems like he was stalking him because he yeah. did go to his party to take pictures. I was but... just a little confused on that point, but he probably just went back for the bitching jokes about the bridge being called an erection. Yeah, that was the only evidence that this is a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb that I had to laugh. And in I loved it cracked me up that the the back in the eighteen hundreds era time, it was filmed in like this really heavy sepia vision or sepia vision. I'm not sure how to say that word. Um, And it was just like it looked like somebody had just peed on the lens. That's how times (laughs) looked back then. Didn't you know? I'd have to ask my parents. <laughs> my jokes are so fresh. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of them. They're half of my podcast audience. Oh, well, better, this better was like, audience than joke. Than, this uh, was guess. like a timely watch for me. And that I've just been re- like reading a bunch of like, 
classics and I just read like Wuthering Heights and Pride and Prejudice which are like set in the 1800s around various upper class courting and I was just like hmm, how coincidental except like all the male characters in those classics are like m- most of them are kind of assholes in some way and I was like Hugh Jackman doesn't know what he's doing Let's turn this into a, so my gag, by the way, in case guests haven't twigged to it yet, is I'm taking over the podcast. So let's turn this into a male versus female podcast. I think the only reason you think Hugh Jackman was not an asshole is because he's handsome. I mean, there were definitely parts where he was acting like an asshole, but overall he was definitely supposed to be portrayed as a gentleman. Hmm. I was endeared to Hugh Jackman. Or wait, am I, am I doing this wrong? Should I be role-playing a... Should I be angry? Yeah, yeah, this is... Guys, get back to the podcast. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, Hugh Jackman is... Like, Leopold is the most likable part of this movie. Like you No, yeah. false. Easily false. Bart the dog, most likable part of this Definitely movie. Bart Fair enough. Dog. In if terms we're talking of humans... humans yeah. If we're talking humans and we're not talking that guy who kind of looks like Bill Pullman from Spaceballs, but isn't. Actually, I like her weird brother. brother. Yeah. yeah. See, I that... I didn't like her brother that much, but like I think Leopold's the most likable person. There's I don't know. Things are just popping out of my head. Like the fact that they kind of implied that the the place that uh, his, her boss just bought doesn't exist. Like, he's like, I assure you, there's no such thing built there during the late 1800s or whatever. Like, mm. I, I lived there or whatever. And they just never go back to that. It just feels yeah. like oh. they, were, they were already cutting stuff out of this movie. Well, I think that that was supposed to be the guy is making shit up to impress her. Like, because he also oh. claims immediately after that to speak French, which he doesn't. And talks about La Bohème, but then talks about characters and shit that aren't in La Bohème. So I think it was just like, this guy's a braggart and he's like making a lot of shit up. Okay. And bringing up Lava Him, it gives me the opportunity to rant about rent for another half hour or so, which is one of my favorite pastimes, but I'll, I'll spare you guys that. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've, I've never seen rent. So it's just, it's a story about the worst human beings on the planet that are so entitled and just, just garbage. <laughs> like, completely discardable and you'd forget about them in a half hour it's the worst oh, humans i hate them Wayne, i saw that. i have actually yeah. heard you tell me about this your opinions i forgot i think you told me this like <laughs> the first month we worked together somehow this came out it's like i've never it comes out of my mouth at least once a week no matter who is around me <laughs> <laughs> so the least likable human beings on the planet i think i saw that as in movie form and it was called kate and leopold um, that's really, an exaggeration you're being dramatic uh maybe a bit but i i could not i couldn't find like a, a redeeming quality to this movie like there wasn't i just got the more and more angry as dog. i watched it Bart what's the that dog. the dog yeah that's it this dog delivered what might be the first at least the only memorable dog pooping scene on film i don't know if i've ever seen a dog poop in a movie before Mm. i may have seen like the dog like the physical act of the dog pooping but i don't feel like i've seen the dog poop shown on camera that cop by the way 
from that scene that's uh from the fantastic film greatest movie ever made suicide squad that's uh oh. Amanda Waller. never watched oh. it never will. that movie sucked yeah it was so dark terrible. like you can't, can't see even anything pretend. Yeah, everything from the editing to, like, the tone was all over the place. DC Universe, we gotta make it dark. Uh, gotta be, gotta make all the film just so dark. Have you guys ever seen the, the DC Universe cartoon where um, Vandal Savage uh, beats the hell out of um, Bruce Wayne and his dead parents' grave? Definitely not. Uh, it's, thought- it's like the darkest thing on like that's been filmed since a Serbian film. And yet it was in an, one of the animated cartoons that they ostensibly are marketing to children. It was great. Oh, I guess I did see that. I was like, I remember that happening, but I thought it was in a comic book for some reason. So back to Kate and Leopold. <laughs> Sorry. Off of that, we always derail you guys. Derailing is fun. I, I fully support it. <laughs> I've never lived in New York. I've never been to New York, but seeing how people use their fire escapes in this movie just made me so anxious how they were just coming and going on this outdoor staircase. Like, do you think that's a thing that people just like walk in and out of each other's windows or is that all Hollywood bullshit? Hmm. Seems like maybe overall Hollywood bullshit. I'm sure there's like a few friends that live near each other that do that, but it seems a real like, no one's fucking doing that. I think it's the idea of having like all these little like treating fire escapes like patios is kind of romantic to me. Um, the, I could see the patio thing. I could kind of see people sitting out on it to chill. Because I mean, cutie song that mentions this, this is this is bad uh, bad use of air. Never mind. But uh, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> I was just like, saying, guys, I can see- hey. You guys oh, okay. remember Death just... Cab for Cutie? You remember Not that? That's what I was saying. I remember Soul Meets Body. I don't remember anything else. Sorry, Kels. What were you going to say? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just saying, yeah, I think that maybe people like sitting out on their fire escape seems like a thing people would do. I mean, I see people mm. fucking sitting on their roofs in Ohio. People love to sit on things outside. Um <laughs> But like That's leaving, quote of the episode. <laughs> leaving your windows unlocked in New York so that your friends can just come in whenever that seems like not. It's terrifying. It made me so anxious. I no, I would be down. I uh, I just want visitors at my apartment, you guys. Aww. <laughs> Even if they're thieves that come to come in my open window. <laughs> What if they're time traveling dukes from the late 1800s? I'll take five. <laughs> One of them's got to be good. I have a feeling they'd be dirty, smelly, nasty people that don't yeah. have good hygiene. They wouldn't like me. They wouldn't like commoners. Like, no. The scenes in this movie that involved the smoke detector were way too damn loud. It sounded like a smoke detector was literally going off in my home, my apartment. Holy shit. Actually, when that scene happened, because I was drawing at the same time and like not fully watching the screen at all times, that started happening. And I like paused the movie because I thought an alarm was going off in our house. And Tim heard it from the other room and came in. I was like, what was that alarm? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what that was. And then I hit play on my movie and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, it's my movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't realize. 
Yeah, the audio was really poorly balanced. Yeah. Like that's noticeably. Like that's not something that I would critique about a movie, but it was just so noticeable in this one. Yeah, normally when you have that happen, it's in action movies and it's just the explosions are too loud. Right, which I can usually tell there's no real explosions in my home, so. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yet. That's what this movie needed was more explosions. <laughs> it's got that sweet scene where he chases a thief on a horse. Do you know what movie that scene reminded me of? Because it was filmed in Central Park and I, I recognized a lot of the areas, it reminded me of the Adam Sandler comedy Little Nicky. Oh, shit. Yeah. Where he's eating Popeye's chicken in Central Park and like freaking, awesome. freaking out the metalheads. Yeah. <laughs> That's a forgotten part of my childhood. I loved that movie as a child. So, like, everything that I liked about Kate and Leopold just reminded me of other movies. Is there anything more attractive than Hugh Jackman riding a horse, though? Hugh Jackman shirtless riding a horse. Uh, Liev Schreiber uh, wearing a hospital gown. Gown. I just said gowned with a D. I feel like a five-year-old. That's Trevor's kink. (laughs) Good to know. Don't you just open it. Oh, easy access. Yeah, I honestly, I this is like a hard movie to (laughs) analyze because... It's just so many, it's so tropey and like predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember, I think it was the mid or late 2000s where there were a lot of spoofs coming out, like epic movie, date movie, disaster movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were trying to get that success of like the scary movie series. Yeah. This movie kind of felt like rom-com movie. Right. Mm. Where it was just taking every trope and kind of trying to I didn't really try to do anything different with them but I don't know how did he he figure out how to go out and hire a violin player and where did he get the money to pay for it I just want to know for like the the romantic because that was a very tropey like oh I set up a romantic dinner for us on our New York City rooftop I think it's interesting that that's what gets you because that's the least technological thing he did. Like he figured out a toaster totally alone. Like he figured Mm -hmm. it out so well that he grew, like the toaster became his Moby Dick. Like there's the scene where he has like 30 pieces of bread on, on a bread pan or whatever. And he's just like, I just keep making more toast. New York city (laughs) is a big place. Like he, where did he go out into New York city to find a violin player? Did he figure out how to take, like the street. underground on his own, like street performer. Kelsey. Where did he get the money? Did he just steal the money from her while she was gone, and then pay a violin player? I'd like to, I to think that he time traveled back in time and found a violin player from his time, and then brought them back to the future. I, I think there was a lot more time traveling going on in this movie than they showed. Honestly, that would be better. Maybe a lot more time traveling, but a lot fewer Chinese people in his time. I don't know. That sounded really racist. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, just the violinist is Chinese, and I just don't know that you would find a Chinese violinist in Was the he? mid to late 1800s. Yeah. Maybe I just don't see race. I'm like, Trevor. Yeah, I remember everybody. He wrote race. it down. Ask me a famous person, and I'll tell you their race. Obama? No one talks. Yeah, that's a trick question. Okay. <laughs> We're done. We're this done. seems like a trap, Trev. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like the you've one already who's implicated yourself. We're not joining in this. 
so on the subject of race and judging people for what they look like, <laughs> I felt like Hugh Jackman in this movie kind of looked like a young Brendan Fraser. Like there were a few different scenes specifically where I was like, oh my God, this looks like Brendan Fraser from the mummy era. Hmm. I don't really see it in the jowl area. Like yeah, Brendan Fraser was a good looking guy, but he's always had a softer chin than Hugh Jackman. It's all in the eyes and forehead. Mm. It's my album name. It's all in the eyes and forehead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do I have here? <laughs> oh, I got a, I got a wonderful insult from this movie that I'm going to try to incorporate into my daily life. At one scene, Kate says to her brother, Charlie, she says, Charlie, you're not exactly a margarine spokesperson. <laughs> I did. I, like when Treb starts talking about how lonely he is, I'm going to be like, Treb, you're not exactly a margarine you're not spokesperson. Exactly a margarine spokesperson. I'm built more like a butter smokes spokesperson. I think, so. This this that did remind me though that I just loved how his big moral stand was about like the the margarine tasting shitty. For the commercial oh yeah i was like yeah. well you were willing to advertise the product without eating it before is that like any less yeah morally reprehensible than oh but now i've eaten it now i'm out they and just like, had to like manufacture an issue so they could do the classic like oh there's a problem in the relationship but now one of us has to like run after the other and we'll reunite yeah the the whole ethical stance was odd something else that was odd to me was i have definitely seen the scene of hugh jackman doing the the crisp creamery butter scene that he does i've seen it somewhere and i have no idea why i would have ever seen that scene alone without context so i thought that it was a um a reference to um the old uh like peas commercial or whatever from uh, the guy, the war of the world's guy. I can't think of his name. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yeah. Frozen uh, I assume it was like yeah. a reference to that. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. I have no idea. The peas commercial. I mean, <laughs> I didn't think of that being a reference to that, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how cerebral or like how, how thought out the margarine commercial was. Yeah. And Kate and Leopold. It's hard to say. I could totally see a famous chef of today's era doing a similar commercial, though. I think I dreamt about Gordon Ramsay after I watched this. Wow, please don't elaborate on that dream. Not, I don't want to hear any not of what you think. It was actually a very nice dream where he just told me I'm not fat and that I can eat ice cream in front of people. <laughs> okay, Jeez. I thought it, I'm trying to come up with an it's fucking raw joke, uh, and I'm not quite raw. there. Oh, God. <laughs> Where's the lamb sauce? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did you guys know that in the early scenes of this movie when they're talking about the person that built the Brooklyn bridge. Um, there's also a bridge connecting Ohio to Kentucky that the same person designed the Roebling bridge. Really? Yeah. It's a lovely bridge that you can visit in person and uh, it's still standing after all these years. It was, it was the engineers. I believe it was their first huge bridge. And then they followed it up with the Brooklyn bridge. But at one point the Roebling bridge was the largest like, over over water bridge 
in America. And another fun fact about that area, you guys are going to have your socks knocked off by this one. The Ohio River is owned by Kentucky. It's Kentucky property. Really? Yep. That's... You can tell we're nearing the end of the podcast because I'm just busting out shitty facts now. (laughs) So you're saying, is it... Okay, so it's the suspension bridge in Cincinnati. Is it that one? Yeah, I believe it's blue, like a light blue. And I've, I've definitely walked on it going to the Reds baseball games from Hofbra House in Newport, Kentucky. Pretty sure that was the Roblin Bridge that we walked on. Interesting. This I know. Looks so now I know because you said that, because I know that Cincinnati Bridge was built by the same guy that built the one in Pittsburgh, but I could never remember his name. The other, this is one of the suspension bridges in Pittsburgh. So now I know that the guy that built the suspension bridge in Pittsburgh built the Brooklyn Bridge. Pretty cool. <laughs> Just connecting all these facts. And now I know that the Mothman prophecy guy is the guy who no. built, wait, no, I didn't understand this movie no. or the Mothman prophecy. No, 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 no. Uh, no but Mothman prophecy was filmed at the Catanning bridge, not the Pittsburgh bridge. You're right. You're right. Eat shit. Oh, <laughs> got him. Um, one more thing to, that I have on my little notepad here for discussion. The director of this movie, James Mangold, he also directed Logan and the movie titled the wolverine Holy so shit. he's worked with hugh jackman on on multiple occasions and he is set to direct and possibly lead the future of the indiana jones franchise he's directing indiana jones 5 i loved logan yeah logan's a fantastic film i i just love that he <laughs> he was like finally i get to work with Hugh Jackman again on Kate and Leopold's spiritual successor. (laughs) I have no memories of the movie, the Wolverine, but it's synopsis is talking about how Wolverine goes to Japan and like fights the Yakuza. I know I saw it, but I have no memory of it. I remember seeing it and thinking it sucked. And then having a fight with my cousin who likes every movie. Um, because she really liked it as she likes every movie. And she got mad that I said it sucks, but I remember nothing about it. Nothing. Yeah. Trev, do you remember anything from the Wolverine? Um, no, I I've read some of the comic stuff that, that like, that's actually, he does go to Japan and he like, at one point I think loses his claws, but gains a katana in the books. I don't know how (laughs) No, he definitely does. Yes. I remember that part in the comic. I think oh, the Wolverine my. is like universally panned, but I don't know what the like the IMD score DB score is. I'm is sure that the one where uh, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool and they they block up his mouth no. so he can't talk? No, that's one of the X Men. That's X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. I, I distinctly uh, remember that movie. And, and my favorite part of that was every time they talked. Well, a lot of times when they talked to Wolverine in that movie, they called him Jimmy, and it just kind of like broke my thought of wolverine being cool because they were just like yo jimmy get your claws out and let's fight bro <laughs> did you know that hugh jackman was nominated for a golden globe for this movie oh wow i did not know that i, I feel like this movie though was a good training for him to wear the same style of clothes that he wore in the greatest showman mm. i don't know about golden globes but i yeah, thought about the greatest showman oh i don't like that movie I like the prestige. 
I love The Prestige, actually. You're wrong. What's the other movie that came out like around the same time that was also a magic movie? No, The Prestige. The one that nobody remembers? Yeah, yeah. with Paul Giamatti. No, there was two that I could never remember, the, like, which was which. Is it The Illusionist? Yeah, The Illusionist. That's it. Well, the weird thing was, there was actually a third one that starred Hugh Jackman and uh, Scarlett Johansson, who were both in The Prestige. But they, they made another movie about a magician the same year. Uh, and I think... I forget who the director was, uh, Peter something, but ultimately doesn't matter. It was, it was supposed to be a terrible movie. It didn't get a, a wide U.S. release, but like there was such a craze for magician movies in that year for no good reason. Um, well, well, the good reason is that in the 90s, magicians were cool. And then uh, like things echo and ripple through time. So like, and then Chris Angel ruined it all. Yes, yes. You guys should watch the uh, Houdini miniseries that Adrian Brody started. Mm. I'll probably pass on that, but thanks good. for the recommendation. Um, bringing up the prestige is actually a great segue into the movie that we're doing next week on the podcast here, because the prestige was, I believe it was directed by Christopher Nolan and next week's podcast that we're recording about is going to be inception. We're going to be talking about Christopher Nolan. I do hate Christopher Nolan, so it's going to be an interesting podcast. I've seen Inception before. Arguing with people, love it. Can't wait. I love to listen to Dave argue with people. Great. Well, thanks for coming out to record about Kate and Leopold, Treb and Kelsey. Uh, Any parting wisdom or messages about the movie? Yeah. um, Thanks for helping me to waste another two hours of my life. It's my specialty. My parting wisdom is uh, sometimes it's not the time travel. It's the cosmetic time pretzel that you meet along the way. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he texted me, by the way, that he was going to say that. And then he told me not to steal it. That's a, that's a great line. It's a good Probably. finisher. And I'm guaranteed to be back on the podcast. <laughs> you're definitely coming back, Trev. Uh, <laughs> you're like VIP guest number one. Yes. Okay. Thanks to any listeners that tuned in and and listened to us talk about Kate and Leopold. Hopefully we'll have some more rom-coms on in the future so I can continue my quest of exploring the genre. But uh, until then, next week is Inception and everybody stay safe and have a good one. Bye-bye. Hi, Dave from the future here. Um, Just wanted to add in that the recording for Inception has fallen through for the time being. So I'm not sure if it's going to be the next movie or if we're going to be publishing one next week, if we're going to be on a bit of a break. Uh, The next episode is just in the future. We'll be back as soon as we can. Thanks.